Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Experience Point Starfinder, your favorite all-queer Starfinder cast. I'm Kelric, your underqualified captain, Angus. As always, we'd be grateful if you would take time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. It helps new listeners to find us. We hope you're as excited about our show as we are, and will also recommend us to your friends, community, just about anyone you meet. It would mean so much. And we're going to PodCon. Well, Kenny and I are going. Everyone else will be with us in spirit. It is this weekend in Seattle, Washington, January 19th and 20th, 2019. Come say hi if you're in the area and get one of our cool new business cards. They're pretty snazzy. Stay tuned after the episode for some more exciting announcements and a message from another queer podcast called Queer Dungeoneers. It's an actual play podcast in the dungeon world about being who you are by being someone different. Also, if you're looking for more Starfinder in your life, check out our sister podcast, Roll to Fail. They are super fun and have a wonderful cast an amazing dm and just this great blend of homebrew and the dead sun's adventure path it's a really beautiful blending and just great some really fantastic npcs and character work this week on eqp we find our crew being transported all through time in the record banks of timeless we learn about eve and 18 and realize things are even bigger than we already thought they were there are some big decisions we have to make after this, so buckle up and get ready for the history lesson in episode 34, Adventure Hooker's Bogus Journey. Greetings, Adventure Hookers, and welcome to Experience Points, your favorite queer real play Starfinder podcast. God, that's a mouthful. I am, as <laughs> always, your uh, host and GM, Miu, and joining me today is our fabulous cast. Hello, I'm Kelric, and I play Angus. Hi, I'm Britt, and I play Mordax. Hi, I'm Kenny, and I play Absco Cash. Where am I? Maybe it's when am I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Steph, and I play Eos Nabari. And uh, Mordax, I believe you have uh, taken some notes on this peculiar situation in which you have found yourself. Yeah. Um, all right. Mordax's personal report. Um, supplement? Eh, volume one, I think. I don't have access to my files. I had to borrow a piece of paper from one of our new companions. Like a like a piece of actual paper, not plastifilm or stone paper. Actual tree paper. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. We, we find ourselves in a very strange place after we went through this anti-technology field into the city of Timeless. Silverblade is here, but not. It's a bit jarring. Eos got sucked away into who knows where, and then we were all suddenly in this big desert being greeted by a party of really interesting folks. They, they're going to tell us some stuff, I think. I'm not really sure what's going on. I think we're all kind of confused. And that pretty much sums up uh, the general feeling. Yes, where we last uh, left off, you passed through the anti-technology field. The, the creatures surrounding Timeless seemed quite perturbed when uh, Brawblade managed to make it through and continue going. It seems as though Brawblade's general technology has been shut down, but Bra is using his fungusy self to push bra blade forward bra's gonna uh, be buff. you entered <laughs> oh yeah bra bra's getting ripped right now fungus ripped you know their spores are massive <laughs> <Ew>. spores <laughs> <Just> <laughs> so uh you did find a, a central spire 
uh, that seemed to be the only place worth going to. It seemed like one of those places that is obviously further adventure waits here. Uh, so you headed in that general direction. You found a breach in the wall. And then you were able to uh, get inside where you found a couple of signs, one written in a language I believe you were able to identify. Mm-hmm. as draconic but unable to read the other one written in celestial which said records this way so you went to the records there was a single terminal and eos gave a moving speech about faith at which point she demonstrated her faith and uh, got poofed away into somewhere uh eos while you were poofed away you met hologram of eve and then you all found yourself in the dry choking desert air Without environmental, it was awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just kind of dropped in the desert. And then some very odd characters approached you. Uh, there was a, a tall man in full adamantine plate wearing a, a golden mask that looked like a pharaoh's burial mask. There is on his shoulder this little tiny bald guy that looked something like a halfling, but way smaller. Uh, there was a cat person, a, a cat folk, uh, wearing the Egyptian kind of bob wig and, and very, very nice Egyptian clothing uh, with a holy symbol of Calistria. And acting as, as sort of a bodyguard to this uh, this religious cat was an android, which doesn't make a lot of sense given that you have decided that you are back on Galarian, you know, thousands of years ago, judging by some of the signs you were able to pick up in the sky. And so they have joined together with you and uh, figure it's about time for them to set up camp. And would you care to join them for the night? I believe we said yes. Yes. I believe there's also a sandstorm coming. <laughs> yeah. There is indeed a sandstorm coming. And so they find a, a small cave in a, in a canyon that is uh, nearby. And everyone gets in there. And now this is where we pick up. This is the opening scene for this episode. Cameras open up on the interior of the cave. There's a fire going. You're all gathered around staring at each other as you both find each other's group quite odd. And action. Why is the air so dry? Wherever Eos is... Mordax is behind-ish to the side of Eos, on the opposite side of the cat person. Just... (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm sure Eos appreciates. Real hard not to side-eye, but (laughs) side-eye. Specifically, um, Absco, you ask, why is the air so dry? Mm -hmm. And that little short halfling kind of person comes... Walking up to you. I mean, his head doesn't even clear your kneecap now. Just looks way up at you and he goes, I don't know. Uh, I can't tell what the air's like up there. Oh. And then he grabs jokes. onto you. He <laughs> grabs onto you and starts climbing. Oh, this should be good. Just scurrying up to the top of you. Absco loves to be touched. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Absco, um, what's your reaction? I mean, this, this little guy just grabbed onto you and just started climbing. Uh... I think Ab goes in this suspension of belief, and so it, they're in this wait and find out what's going to happen mode. How close am I to this situation? Oh, y'all are all in a cave waiting out a, a desert sandstorm. What so would be the y'all role? are all in a fairly... What would be the role for me to pluck this person off of Absco and just hold them at the height they want to reach? 
Correct. So, so That's Pathfinder the rules, that would be a CMB. Uh-huh. So you'd be making a melee attack uh, okay. as a combat maneuver. Okay, I just want to make sure I'm I'm not fighting. I'm just plucking them off of right. Abscal. That's uh, a 17. Woo. 17 comes nowhere close. This guy seems to have been built specifically for the ability to climb people. <laughs> And you you go snatching, and and this guy's already swung around on the backside of Absco, crawling up like underneath what seemed to be your shirt, but it's just it's not there. So now he's on the back, and and just gets up to your head and sits up there, and and feels around and goes, no, nah, the air's about the same up here. I don't think you understand that that is exceptionally rude where we come from. You ask before you touch a person. Consent is important, and I'm looking him right in the eye. Please get off my friend kinda... unless you ask them to be there. Cox's head. This is this is a puzzling concept you have brought up. Great. And then and then he like leans his head so he's upside down. His his face is upside down in front of your Zabsko sitting on top of your head and he's like and he's got this little uh ion stone going around his head and he goes, "It's not cool that I climb you?" I mean, I'm not even sure we're still here. Um permission would have been nice, but I can't fault your methods, no. I suppose yes. the air could have been different up here. Okay, okay. And, and he clambers down to your shoulder and he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I, I just, I, I want you to trust me for just a moment. Can you do that? Sure. We're in a desert. All right. Throws his arm around your neck and looks forward and smiles. And the ion stone goes swinging by. Now the question is, if you're trusting him, do you willingly fail your will save? Yeah, sure. The, the... Ironstone goes whizzing by, and you are struck with this irresistible urge to smile and pose. <laughs> Fantasy selfie. <laughs> um, so you see Absco's face like light up, and you see like the corners of their mouth go much further than anyone could have ever possibly imagined. So, like, almost to, like, jawbone to jawbone lip smile. Oh, you almost... You're making Brit almost gag. That's amazing. I'm just picturing, like, Pennywise right now. Oh. (laughs) The Iron Stone whips around behind you and whips around in front, and there's a flash! And then whatever effect that was is gone. You're, You're perfectly free to move as... Little guy who has introduced himself as Flynn Patchy uh, hops down and reaches. Something comes out of the ironstone and he takes it and he kind of flicks it a few times and then he oh looks my. at it and he hands it to you. And there is a Polaroid of you smiling with this little Flynn Patchy guy on your shoulder. He goes, "You can have this one." Thank, thank you. I, I will. I will put it with my personal effects. And they like open up a utility belt, like a utility pouch, and slide it in. Meanwhile, uh, I believe, Mordax, you, you are side-eyeing the uh, cat. Yeah, I think I got a little distracted by that interesting display of whatever brain tech that might have been. Um, and I'm just kind of like leaning around Eos. Staring. Ah, it's, it's a very odd kind of thing that this, uh, this creature has. You have seen, as you spent some time here, the, the android is cooking a meal. And it smells delicious. Uh, the the cat Callie has been well. As soon as she got in the cave, she like pulled out all pulled off all of her outerwear, and you can 
and, and now she's wearing what, what would basically look like a belly dancer's outfit. Very, very revealing kind of outfit. And you see tattooed on her the holy symbol of Calistria. Do we know who, about Calistria? I mean, should we do culture? Yeah, Calistria is still around. Uh, all the space hookers worship her. I feel like I should know this. Can I? Uh, she's she's the god of uh, of uh, lust and and sex and vengeance. So getting used to Starfinder skills. Yeah, go ahead and roll sense motive. Uh, then real quick, Angus, as you're looking over at 18 to see what's going on. That's a nat 20 for uh, 26. Nice. As you look over, you're struck by something. Even though 18 is cooking and fully absorbed in in the intricacies of this this dish that she's making. She has made sure to position herself between Callie and the rest of the group, at least the newcomers. Okay. So I will share that using the the Vlaka speech with Eos. <laughs> I walk over towards 18. So I go check on the dinner. How's it coming along? <laughs> uh, you step up and uh, just at the moment that 18 does the, the little salt bay thing. <laughs> Finishing, you are struck. There's there's these these beautiful flatbreads and uh, roast meat of some sort, mm-hmm. uh, but it's got this this little sauce that's made with honey and and wine, and it, it, there's a just this beautiful dish being made here. It smells nice and fragrant with all these spices. As you see, that uh, 18 has a very special spice rack that she's opened up and just it's full of spices and has cookbooks and. Yeah. And 18 looks up and, and, and just hands you a spoon and is like, here, taste this. Oh, I do. Uh, 18's voice is a lot less human sounding than you're used to and a lot more spoken like a machine. Okay. Uh, like some of the early, early machine models that you've, you've seen. Okay. Yeah, I totally taste it. It is probably one of the best meals you've had in a long time. Well, this is excellent. Absolutely amazing. So, 18, could you teach me how to make these flatbreads? These are, this is quite handy. And this honey dip sauce thing is fantastic. And so I try to engage them in like a little quick cooking lesson. And I, as I'm leaning down, I sort of like motion to the other three in the party to talk to other people. Who knows how Mordex has like no chill right now. So her (laughs) eyes just get like super wide. And, and looks around to find someone who's not the cat. <laughs> well, and then jumps you, over to the. Did you say he was like a like a hobbit or something? Yeah, like a little like this little short bald guy. Okay. He's he's actually shorter than you. Okay, I'll go over to him. How tall is he specifically? Like <laughs> eighteen inches tall. Holy. <laughs> okay. Wow. That is <laughs> yes. He's very, Half very short. Yes. Dixie. Hi, I'm Mordax. He looks up and goes, Ah, Mordax, I am Flynn Patchy. Yeah. Can I climb you? Um, sh- uh, sh- sure. Cool. And then he just like climbs up and sits on your shoulder. I don't think I've ever had anyone smaller than me hanging around. That's neat. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't really think I'm going to have anyone rude. smaller than me I anymore. Said that you're small, but like, yeah, you, okay, no, I mean, I'm, I'm used to being the the small one, so I, you know, the small jokes are usually dry. I, I'm sorry. He, he just kind of laughs and he goes, "All the better to climb you, my dear." <laughs> <laughs> are you a fairy? He says, "No, I am a halfling." Well, I kind of was. I don't know what I am now, but uh, 
Word to the wise, if you ever meet a bunch of genies in the desert, don't ask them if they grant wishes. Or do ask them if they grant wishes, maybe you'll get your wish granted. He points at 18 and goes, she wished I was smaller. Why did she do that? Is she mean? He goes, oh no, she protects Callie. We, we, we borrowed her from the church, we're testing her. The cat? You borrowed the cat from the church? No, 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 the other one. Oh. The, the the robot machine thing. Right. So That's our 18. Well, kind of. They've been with us for a few weeks. They're really, really good. They got this this really cool thing uh, uh, where where their, their arm, it goes... Really? And sometimes it goes... Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to me, actually. <laughs> it, it does. Uh, it, you have just gathered that 18 apparently has built-in onboard weapon systems. Uh-huh. 18 has stood up and has gone just like stock still, just staring at you. You, you feel that you, Eos, feel that sense of like someone staring at you. But everyone else, you see, I mean, 18 has jumped up from, from dinner, from, from helping teach uh, Angus how to cook this flatbread, and is just standing there. You even see one of the panels on her arm, like, flip open. I want to see. And it's just watching. I want to see if I can memorize what I see there, as far as the internal workings of 18, because we're on a mission dealing with this person. All right, give me a perception check. I'm so good at these. And I'm not. <laughs> it's a 12. Sorry, can't help you. You are struck by how primitive the technology is. But you're also struck by how advanced the technology is compared to everything else around you. Okay. It would be like it would be like finding like an 80s cell phone in a caveman's cave, you know? Could I use that? Very advanced for the time, but not not hardly advanced for where you are. Could I do an engineering check real quick? Mm-hmm. Ugh, even worse, an 11. Ugh, never mind. Fine. In fact, you have, you have no idea how that any of this is even functioning. Boo. No obvious power source. No, you're 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 checking like surreptitiously checking your little tools that you would use for taking readings and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's there's some low level radiation coming from her, but nothing that would indicate an actual power source that at least that you would recognize. Okay. And as that's going on, eighteen goes. We have company. Yeah. As you follow 18's gaze, you see three. Masked, hooded, robed cultists jump out of the shadows. 18 immediately jumps in front of Callie and puts her hand on her, pushing her back. The, the open panel on her arm, this device comes out of it and she holds it out in front of her and blasts off three back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back blasts of force energy. Two of the cultists kind of jump out of the way. One of them takes a full shot straight to the chest before collapsing in a bunch of fire that explodes. What would y'all like to do? 
You've just been jumped in this cave. There are two cultists. Absco, get with Mordax. Eos, I'm coming to you. And I'll jump in front of Eos and immediately photon a tune and then wait to see what the rest of their party does. Eos, you've you've heard the sound the unmistakable sounds of combat break out. Along with three discharges from make a just make a perception check. Yes. No penalties. This is this is a, an auditory based perception check. 15. Something about that discharge frequency seems familiar and you remember it having struck you as odd. You've heard it before. So it brings back a memory but you can't quite place that particular discharge frequency. But you are suddenly reminded of being in battle. Like, at that moment, you're kind of thrown back to being in battle in an urban environment, uh, battling a, a, a group of enemy combatants. Oh, fun. <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> She's definitely getting to her feet, and mm -hmm. knowing that Angus is in front of her, would just kind of softly say to him, Now, warn us before you go all glittery. I know. This is a confined space. Don't worry, I have a plan when it comes to it. <laughs> Mordax. M Mordax is going to audibly gulp, pull out this <laughs> needler pistol, look at it skeptically, and hold it out. All right. Uh, five more cultists <laughs> enter the cave. There are now seven of them, and one of them, there's, there's, it seems that when they died, they, they exploded into fire. One of them definitely seems to be something of a leader as they step forward and say something that none of y'all would understand. 18 actually responds in that language. Head cultist just waves toward him, and the other cultists come running. So, what'd you do? You have your pick of seven targets. Go ahead and roll. We'll have you guys roll initiatives. Ooh, y'all are ready. So we begin with Mordax. You get the first action. All right. Uh, the Probably the closest one that's to her, Mordax will just ping with this incredible... All right, one of the action. cultists that's running forward, you, you pull up your analog weapon that's just... Ooh. Wow! Ooh, hey! nice. 27. Yeah, you... Pull the trigger and the needle. What, what does the needler pistol do? I feel like Mordax probably expected like a clunky analog thing to have like a lot of kickback. So she was probably really like bracing it like to, to protect herself, but like didn't actually need to brace it. So probably like almost stumbles because it didn't have kickback. Yep. But it's, it's just enough. this little thunk. And then the cultist looks down and there's just a needle like sticking out of his, out of their chest. And they just look down and then they look up at, at, uh, at Mordax. And in that moment, you can tell that you have definitely gotten their attention. <laughs> Eos. Oh, wait. I, should I be oh, controlling oh. Silverblade too? That is that is how it normally works. Right now, you have Brawblade though. Um, uh, but yeah, you can you can control you can control Brawblade. Oh, okay. So assuming that. Now, now you had brought Flynn over to begin working with Brawblade, right? To try right. to restore some functionality. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, can Silverblade close the gap between him and the guy that is closest? Yes. And the halfling, the halfling, as they get there, the halfling jumps off and into this guy's robes. And then all of a sudden you see him jumping around as he's getting stabbed here and there by this little tiny thing. And there's just like pools of blood beginning to leak out. <laughs> and, and then someone, and, and he's yelling and screaming and one of the other 
cultist tries to grab him and ends up getting his hand stabbed and it's it's chaos where the little guy is now climbing through people's robes stabbing them okay eos is going to roll out a spell that i was super excited to take that she hasn't used before and she's gonna mind thrust the hell out of the leader of this group right yes and your dc is 14 if i'm reading that right i believe so well that will be a 19 will save so it's half damage 20 so 10 damage as the the cult leader winces grabs their head and then looks up as it seems with your mind thrust you have somehow interfered with whatever illusory effect is happening here and all of a sudden there's this look of shock on the cult leader's face as though they see the situation for what it really is for a moment whatever is keeping people just being like oh hey look random adventurers out in the desert what's up has broken and now it's like they they recognize you as visitors from another world and another time oh oh shit (laughs) 18 is making sure callie stays behind and again, opens up a barrage of uh, of these force shots. Two more cultists go down in a f- puff of flame, exploding as they as they die. Absco. So Absco steps in front of uh, Mordax and positions himself so they can get. At least three of the cultists in in an arc within fifteen feet of themselves, and <laughs> they they look at Silar. I yell at Silar and be like, "Silar, this is a good time to study." Uh, Absco gets that huge smile on their face again oh, as their jaw lowers. Uh, out comes this acid breath. We're going to roll some reflex saves here for the three cultists that you wanted to. Uh... To capture. Ooh. Okay. So we have a 17, a 4, and a 21. I think the 17 and the 21 save, right? Yes. The nat 1, 4 definitely does not. So two of the cultists, the two on the edges, like kind of dive out of the way and only get splashed with the acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the one that you caught and everything, this is the one that's getting stabbed repeatedly by the guy <laughs> in his robes, just turns around and actually opens his mouth as you oh. like... <laughs> Spray your fire, your your acid at him. Fourteen damage will be enough as he gets acid in his mouth, and you just see his entire face and his robes melt away. And then there's a huge whoosh of fire, and then Flynn comes running out of the robes like ow, 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 ow. <laughs> Silar does indeed take his uh, his sword and just bring it back and just yell, "I want to study you!" and slashes one of them open. Uh, again, another woof of fire, Angus. Angus is going to Stellar Rush. Eos, stay with Kali. I will Stellar Rush the person who is awakened ever so briefly. I would like to end not with pummeling them, but with an actual weapon strike. Okay. A21, you charge into this uh, cultist who takes a nasty strike from you. Go ahead and roll your uh, your damage. Woo-hoo. 15 damage. You cut them open pretty good, and, and then something seems to snap. In common, they say, Ah, the Pharaoh shall rise again. You will not succeed, no matter what friends you bring. And then that target disappears. As you look around, all of a sudden the scenery shimmers and changes. Everything grows transparent. Before all of a sudden, the entire world around you is yanked from beneath your feet. You are spinning, tumbling through darkness being ripped apart into a million tiny pieces and then slammed back together again. This time, when you come to, you're in an entirely different area. The air is moist, heavy, crisp, and chill. 
There are, you can feel yourself on a bunch of grass. You can, those of you who can see, can see a lake, a, a large lake. You're in sort of a, a boggy kind of swampland. Not far off, there's a city, a very old kind of looking city. Like it, it's not, as, it, it's like someone made a, a whole city out of tree fort kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of wooden buildings and, and, and a wooden wall. So it sounds like you're saying what Eos would smell would be fresh water, decay, and just that earthy kind of swamp smell. Yep. And the air is now where where the air was dry and hot before. Now it's moist and cold. There, there's quite a bit of, of sound coming from the city off the side. It still seems like a fairly small town. There's quite a bit of loud noise coming from there. As you look up and you see a stream of people leaving the city. Before long, you are approached by this little, uh, maybe two foot tall frog. Who comes walking up, who is wearing a suit and comes walking up to you on his hind legs and he goes, You there! What are you doing? You must get going! We must run away! Quick, go to my castle! You should not be away from the people like this! He goes, Did you not listen to the speech Mistress Queen Eve just gave? There no. is an army coming! We must flee for our lives! Eos, come with me. What's your name, friend? And I'll start walking with them. He says, uh, You may call me Apollinaire. You get to the the gates to the city just as the last stream of people are leaving there there seems to be quite a an all, a, a controlled panic as a couple of people wielding these little very archaic swords oh, they they stop you and they go no uh we're the the city is closed everyone must leave don't you know there's there's an army of two thousand soldiers on their way here they'll be here within an hour we're here to see eve oh back up from the capital excellent perhaps that means the armies have almost arrived Go! She, you, you'll find her down by the docks. You run through the abandoned city. And as you get to the docks, you see, with, with her back to you, the long blonde hair and the blue robes that look a lot like Eve. That, that you saw Eos, um, but you wouldn't see it now. But you, you, no, you, you have a, you get a, you catch a whiff of a scent. And it was the scent that you were breathing in, in that other uh, encounter with Eve. As she turns around, silver scales cover half of her face, down her neck. Ice and, and cold is just radiating off of her like this little mini blizzard. And she turns around and says, what are you doing here? You should escape. We're here to help. We can't do she that if we're evacuating. As, she looks as though she's struggling and she says, but, but uh, for the moment has, has sort of taken control as, as the ice and snow starts to kind of diminish a little bit and she goes help but you and then she she stops and she really looks at all of you and eos you can feel all of her attention on you as she steps up walks right up to eos and she goes there's something something about you what is it may i please and She'll reach out and lay her hand, hopefully, on Eve's arm. It may waver a little, just because she doesn't, isn't quite as familiar with to show her when they met in the hologram, and then take her hand back. You sent us here. Kind of cocks her head a little bit. Well, I'm sure I had a good reason for that. And she just says, may I? 
to, to you, Eos, like in your dire direction, in a way that you know that she's talking, you feel that she is talking to you. Yes. You all see Eve reach out and, and the snow and ice seems to coalesce around her hand. As she lays her hand across your eyes, Eos, you feel ice just form across where your eyes are. And then when it melts away, your eyes are working. The augments are working? Or the augments, the augments are working. Thank you. And you see standing before you <laughs> Eve, except yeah. she has way more scales. And when you saw Eve, the scales that she had were in these very intricate patterns. This is just a mass of scales. And Eve kind of doubles over in pain a little bit. She goes, oh, okay. If you want to help, then I need you to guard the back of the, uh, the caravan as they leave. Don't worry. I have this under control. But I have to make sure that these people make it to Chateau de Polinaire. Before we leave, I have a question. What do you wish to know, tall one? What is your relationship to someone named 18? Eve looks very, very confused. 18? I can't say I've ever known anyone that goes by that moniker. Now, as, as you're standing there, a, a silver-scaled kobold comes running up. And this kobold with, with silver scales, about as big, and he's wearing like a musketeer hat and, and the tabard with this snowflake holy symbol of Eve on it. And he has this glowing, frosty longsword as he comes running up and goes, My goddess, the people are, are, are clear of the city. The army is on its way. And then he stops and he looks at you and goes, and draws his sword and, and jumps in front of Eve. And he goes, and who are these villains? Eve says, no, I believe I sent them to help. It's okay, Mikmek. Mikmek sheathes his sword and looks at you and he says, I don't know that I trust them. They look different. How do you know they're not from Pataks? It's okay, Mikmek. See them out clearly. Mikmek, oh, but my goddess, no. You must do as I command, Mikmek. And he doffs his cap and bows before turning around and looking at you and going, Well, you heard the goddess. Leave at once. Mikmek leads you through the abandoned uh, city. You set off away from the city. It takes you maybe half an hour before you see them. A group of about 100 trolls, the west of the city, where it moves away from the lake and becomes more solid plains. Uh, off to the north, you can see the dust or the cloud of dust showing the 2,000-strong army entering town. Up in the sky, you can see these winged beasts swooping and, and swirling uh, several miles off. But it does indeed seem that you have... Uh, there is a, a concentrated attack here. There are... Three armies moving in. We've been sent to look after the trolls, so let's do what we can to deal with the trolls. It's a relief that you can see, Eos, because this would be a lot harder if, if we were if we were trying to deal with that unexpected turn of events. And it definitely will make me a little bit more useful in terms of what I'm about to do next. And Excellent. At the word useful, Mordax just looks down at the needler pistol again. <laughs> Gets a look on her face like, oh no. Um, Absco wants to do like some perception checks to see if there's like any good like vantage point or hiding spot or anything like that. Okay. Hey, hey. Okay, so that's a thirteen. Absco, you're used to the environments of you know concrete walls and plasteel uh, corridors. This whole like wide open nature thing. This is a little little harder, uh, and you're on a on on open plains that go into like fairly open swamp. 
So for miles around, there's not any really great hiding places. Eos, do you know what Eve did to you? In terms of how I'm able to see now? Absolutely not. Let's work together to see if we can figure it out real quick. And Give me a mysticism you, check. I'd like okay. to assist you with, an, with a mysticism check. I got 16. For a total of 18? Okay, total of 18. With the, with the aid? Okay. Yes. It was, so, you, you recognize the touch of the divine. There's also a, a whole lot of arcane energy wound up in it, which you're not as familiar with. So you don't know what the ins and outs of whatever she did was, but somehow she has transferred enough divine and arcane energy to you that your eyes are, are functioning. It is what one might would term a miracle. Well, I don't think we can match that to get Mordax up and running. So I think we'll just have to deal with what we can do. If I can in, in duplicate this, it. In this moist, humid environment, though, within the past hour as, as you've been moving... Uh, you've seen that Silverblade seems to be moving more like its normal self. Almost as though Bra Blade has gotten a lot stronger. So I, I noticed that, and I'm just gonna push a couple buttons and see if I can do any of my control -y stuff that I usually can. Uh, yeah, actually you can. It seems that somehow Bra has tapped in enough that as you hit the buttons, you have just enough juice providing just enough trickle of energy that he's able to pick up what the signal is and know what you want him to do. Cool. Mordex looks a lot more comfortable now. So I'm assuming while we're doing all this, we're trying to position ourselves wherever these trolls yes. might be coming. Just so that we can... And so you you are able to position yourself quite easily between the trolls and the fleeing couple thousand citizens. Okay, so what... I have this nifty cantrip called Ghost Sound. Mm -hmm. And Eos is just going to start casting it like mad, kind of like behind the... She's trying to confuse the trolls as to where they're looking for the people. So mm -hmm. casting it so that it's like behind them to the side, anywhere but where the people actually are to just try and All like right. thin out the massive army. How does Eos do this? I yeah, think I we stick with the back of the caravan because our, our whole goal is to defend them, right? That's yeah, that's, that's what Eve had, had asked us to do. So I think that's what we do is we stay, okay. let them get some distance and then we do a rear guard action. Does that make sense to everyone right. else? What are you thinking? You do not look like you agree, Kenny. So no, 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 no. That's that's exactly. Does what do you think, Steph? I think that's fine. You know, Eos is gonna follow what Angus. You know, she's gonna follow her captain. Yeah, if they're abandoning the city, I don't think we care about the city. I think what we care about are the people. Yeah. So I, I will tell you, it's probably a good thing you didn't stay in the city. Uh, <laughs> here comes the fireball well so uh, actually that's a great point maybe um as a strategy you could use your your ghost sounds to make them go towards the city yeah that would definitely be a thing i could do to try to keep them there as you are escorting this group from the city probably about an hour outside of the city you've been watching the trolls coming and they're they're coming a lot faster than you can move and you see them approaching from a more southerly vector you can see from the dust and stuff that the army has hit the city and you're starting to see some smoke and, and fires going up from the city itself but you know eve was there and out over the lake a large storm is brewing and you begin to see the waters of the lake rise into the sky higher and higher and higher until they are just towering hundreds of feet. And you see a silvery glow. Uh, it looks like a huge snowstorm happening about 200 feet in the air. And then all of a sudden, all of the water and 
from the lake rushes forward in a great tidal wave and slams into Fort Wharton, washing away the entire city. And then that flying snowstorm flies overhead in a great big swoop and heads up to the front of, of the group. Everyone standing around falls to their knees as Eve flies overhead. And they all begin crying about what a miracle it was that the living goddess has created for them. She has saved them. Then all of reality fades around you and you feel the familiar feeling of being torn apart and slammed back together again. It's, it's a lot less disconcerting this time. And this time you see yourself in a frozen landscape. It just suddenly, just that suddenly, you're, you're in a frozen landscape, but you don't feel cold. Is There's this, ice and snow everywhere. Does this still feel like we're, we're on Galarian or? No. Okay. We're where no, it doesn't. Eve, aren't we? You feel, as a matter of fact, give me a mysticism check. I, I feel like 18 is a pretty lucky number for this group. I rolled a nine, but with a plus two, it gives you the benefit of a plus two. So <laughs> 20. Eos, you recognize pretty quickly that you are on another plane of existence. We're in the elemental plane of ice. Quite possibly. I, I'm taking a guess in the dark. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. You're you're on some sort of extra planar space. Whether hmm. it's specifically the plane of, of, of water, the elemental plane of water, or whether it's some other elemental plane. You can't tell what alignment this plane is, but you're on a, somebody's personal domain. Would and, it look familiar? Well, given all the snowflake symbols around, <laughs> all the silver snowflake symbols around, and the, the vast number of uh, kobold-looking things. I just asked because Eve had pulled her into what sounds like a similar plane mm -hmm. at the start of all of this. So I just wanted to see if it was the same place. But that do, was do. weeks ago. <laughs> How do you remember? This is where I went but before the desert when I guess I winked. I don't know what happened, what it looked like for all of you, but I was suddenly in a place very much like this, and I met Eve, a hologram of her from our time. So it looks like now we're in her domain? Well, I think the whole point of this is that we get to see different parts of Eve's life. So let's just go find her so we can get on to the next step. I want yeah. to know everything we can possibly know. Well, there is a, I mean, you're right outside of a giant castle. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's probably not a bad place to start. <laughs> yeah, going yeah. up and knocking. Oh, you walk up to the doors and a pair of silver scaled kobolds open the doors for you and welcome you to the court of uh, the goddess Eve. As you step in, you see a, a long hall with a throne at the top and standing in front of the throne is an android. Definitely had a lot of upgrades since the last time you saw 18 in the desert, but it is definitely 18. And 18 seems to be petitioning Eve for something. I'm going to do a uh, sense motive on their conversation. Like, I want to okay. see what, what the emotions are like. Okay. With a 16, trying to read the emotions of a god and an android is not an easy <laughs> thing to do in the most normal of circumstances. <laughs> But Eve looks sad, and 18 seems to be agitated. As you get a little bit closer, you can hear 18 saying, But my primary directive can no longer be fulfilled. I have completed, or, or I have failed in, in my primary objective. If you do not do this for me, 
And Eve says, I'm sorry, but I cannot make Callie immortal. Phrasma will have her soul, and that's just how these things go. And 18 looks at her and says, then end me right here. Cause me to cease existing. And as you look at Eve, she looks very, very sad. And she actually like grips a small locket around her neck and she goes, no, to do that would be to deny the legacy that I owe my wife. And 18, there's a moment where 18 displays raw emotion on her face. Emotion of rage and anger and hatred in that moment as she goes, you will live to regret this, Evelyn. If you will not kill me, then I will take everything that is yours and goes spinning about and stomping out. Eve looks very, very sad. And then she turns to you and goes, and it seems I have new supplicants from the material realm. <sighs> Today is just going to be one of those days. What can I do for you? I believe we may have already seen what we came to see. Pardon me. You sent us here. Did or I? What did I send you here for? I send a lot of people places. What did I send you here for? Well, to be more specific, you haven't sent us yet, but you will. Oh, that makes sense. I'm sure I have a good reason. I didn't happen to tell you what that reason was, did I? I'm afraid not. But perhaps with a question, it may reveal itself. She looks intrigued and she and she looks at you and she goes, for some reason, and I can't put my finger on it, but I really like you. I feel that you have a certain, um, certain faith about you. Go ahead. I will answer your question. Well, our journey that brought us here began with an item that we know as the adventure hook, but it's also been called the key or the adventure key. And it's tied to a city called Timeless. Hmm. Timeless. That's a pretty neat name for a city, isn't it? Yes. And a key, enough. you say? Yes. Hmm. I wonder. I, I don't know of this, but... Uh, How do you know well, 18? Well, I'm... Uh, she goes, 18. Well, she came and, and uh, asked me for a favor. Lots of people come and ask me for favors. A goddess, after all. We've seen your power in action. Oh, really? What did you see? What trick did I do? Other than you literally restoring my sight? I did that? Yeah, yes. that seems like something I would do. Good, I'm glad. Is it working for you? <laughs> for the moment, yes. And Excellent. you also leveled the city <laughs> with an army oh. of trolls. Oh yeah, I did do that, didn't I? Yes. But, but wait a minute. That would have been, starts calculating, eight, nine hundred years ago. How are you still around? Ah, never mind. You don't ask an adventurer their secrets. <laughs> is completely unbecoming of me. What can what 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 could I do for you? I, I have to do something for you. What could I do for you? You came all this way with but a question. Well, I, I feel like it's several questions, to be honest. I didn't mean to be eavesdropping, but I suppose that Haha, <laughs> good one. Eavesdropping. I like it. She genuinely appreciates your pun. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I believe this is a moment that we were intended to see and hear, but it sounded like you were more intimately acquainted, like you had a bargain or a pact. She says, well, I've, I've heard her, her story. It seems that 18's last directive was to protect Callie, uh, which I guess was one of her adventuring companions. I've been aware of her case. I've never actually, I hadn't met her until a few minutes ago, but 
and, and it seems that Kelly has died of, well, what would be really significantly advanced old age, some eight, nine hundred years. Unfortunately, this is the way of, of things, and I'm not certain that a machine can truly understand that. Life for a, a being, which is most of us, well, we're not meant to be immortal. I mean, I am, obviously, but not you. Not that you couldn't become immortal. I mean, you could if you wanted to. Sure. I, I guess the other question is, is that 18 was very passionate about or their request. That passion is usually reserved for people who are much more familiar. It, it just seems like there's there's something more there. I don't think she took too well to me saying no. I think she expected more to happen did today. I don't know that that's the case. I think you're underestimating how much she's upset about what you've chosen not to do for her. It's kind of why you've sent us here. So that we can learn all about Eve and 18. And the journey that brought the two of you to cross our paths. She snaps her fingers and one of the kobolds comes stepping up and begins madly scribbling notes. She goes, well, I shall have to keep an eye on this uh, 18 for a while then. Thank you for your warning. This must surely be why I have sent you. And now, and she takes her, her icy scepter and slams it on the ground. I send you on. And her realm disappears around you. And then it swirls back into being. Except this time, you're on Abalon. You're in the city of Timeless. The city is a thriving city. And in the spire just ahead, you hear familiar yet definitely upgraded followed by an icy blast that knocks out a chunk, the actual breach that you uh, went into. And there go 18 and Eve fighting. And 18 says, or Eve says, you shall never have the key. It is not yours. And 18, I will have it. You cannot keep this from me. It seems that a great battle is breaking out over a key. And in fact, you see in Eve's hand, the adventure hook. And 18 is madly, furiously trying to get it. As you're watching them fight, you see Eve growing dragon wings and a dragon's tail and claws on her hands. 18 has definitely been significantly upgraded. Uh, 18 actually looks at least as good as 18 now, if not a little bit better. And they are fighting as only semi-deities can do. Throughout this fight, I want to be taking notes on everything that 18 can do. My attention is focused on 18 and what abilities they bring to play in this fight. You see Eve try to take to the skies, but 18 pulls, holds out her fist and her arm opens up and she just rapid fires a number of, of shots of the, this force energy which hit Eve and actually knock her down, back down to the ground. Um, she opens up her, takes her other arm, and something else opens up and it fires a wave that seems to cause her wings and, and her claws to shrink as though she is attempting to suppress uh, Eve's abilities. As you look around, you realize that a number of mechanical beings are battling the crap out of each other all around you. The city is, as you speak, being leveled to a ruin. Do we see any of anyone who looks like the guardians that we had to get past to get in here? Yes. 
see a number of them. Uh, probably about half of the group seems to be those. The other half look to be anasites, but really early anasites. Okay. The the native inhabitants of Avalon. Mm-hmm. The first ones? Not the first ones, but the anasites that currently inhabit uh, Avalon okay. in your timeline. And 18 says, calls out to Eve, no, I made the key that is mine and you will give it to me. And eight, and Eve holding this looks at her and there you're you're close enough it, somehow it's like you're far enough away that you're not in any danger but through the experience that you're having you're close enough to see and hear quite clearly as Eve looks at her again with this great sadness in her eyes and she says I cannot allow you to destroy everything and then she closes her eyes and disappears and as she does where Eve was this this wave goes pushing out from her and a number of these these beings uh, shut down. Most of these beings shut down. Somehow, Eos, your eyes seem completely immune. But all of your technology, again, kind of jolts and fizzles. 18 <laughs> pulls out a device just before it hits, and she pushes a button, and everything disappears. And suddenly, whoof, it comes back. And once again, you're in this forested area. <laughs> Mordax is just like, God damn it, I'm tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> I want my shit back. <laughs> but an even bigger battle is going on. And this time, you can tell it's been probably several weeks since, like, you get the feeling that it's been several weeks since you saw what happened in Timeless. But as you look around, everything seems too small. Trees are too short. Buildings are too small. And as you, as you take a minute to adjust your surroundings, you realize everything is shrinking around you. People freaking out, running all over the place, a bunch of kobolds. As, as all of this is happening, there's a pop and Eve appears. And then there's another pop and 18 appears and 18 is staring down Eve, approaching her. And she says, you have lost this battle. Give me the key and I will rule the worlds. And Eve says, no, 18, I know you are hurting, but you cannot do this. 18 looks with, uh, waves around. She goes, it is too late. Already you can see Galarian is shrinking and soon shall be within my grasp. And I will simply take the key from you. And then, then I will unleash Rovagug and I will rule all of the universe. Okay, you have to spell Rovagug. Uh, give me a culture check on Rovagug. Well, that's right. Y'all aren't necessarily familiar with Pathfinder lore. <laughs> Angus, with your 21 rolling the highest here, it strikes you. You've heard that name, Rovagug, Eater of Worlds. He was supposed to have been imprisoned within a planet somewhere. At least that's what the legends say. Uh, you've heard these stories. Some say he was that there used to be the planet Galarian, where Absalom Station is, mm -hmm. and that he was imprisoned at the core of Galarian by by ancient gods thousands of years before even uh, the even eighteen things. Like this, this is but this is all legend, right? Rovagug isn't real. I don't think Genghis believes anything's not real at this point. <laughs> and from what you're gathering here, it seems that eighteen intends to free Rovagug as some type of weapon. As you look around, you can definitely tell the world you are standing on is shrinking. And Eve sighs heavily and says, I have put me in such a bad position. 18, maybe you just need a timeout to cool down. And the ground, and, and she closes her eyes and this bright light comes out. And 18 roars, no, and leaps. But then everything kind of freezes in place. The world continues to shrink. But the area where you are, 
feel it like lift off from the world. And then all of a sudden the sun is gone. And then there are these odd stars in the sky. 18 is gone. Eve has collapsed. And all of the ice and snow has disappeared. All of the scales disappear. And she looks like just a frail little human there holding this adventure hook. I make eye contact with uh, Mordax and Absco, and I point at the adventure hook. And I want us to gather as much information on that as we can, because we've never seen it up close. Right. So we yeah. don't actually know anything about it, other than it was a prize that was taken before we got to look at it. Uh, you can tell that she is just going to need a few centuries of recovery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's not really anything I can do to... You can make her comfortable in the moment. Yeah, you can use some of like like your little cantrips and stuff. Uh, maybe some some like cure cures and things like that you can use. Absolutely, but nothing particular that's going to instantly revive her back to full goddess strength. No. Okay. Well, then I will definitely use stabilize. I, I if I okay. suppose if it applies because it's to be used to cause a dying creature to stabilize. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. You, you, you focus on stabilizing her. Like that's your thought. You're, you're thinking, oh, I, I need to stabilize you. And so rather than like stopping her from losing hit points, you stop her from losing any more divine power. Nice. You keep that, you keep that little spark in there. The adventure hook, as you're looking at it, you know, the hook from Moana, like Maui's hook, it looks Uh similar to that, but instead of, but, but carved all along it and inlaid in silver are draconic runes. Okay. But it looks like just some s- sort of hook. It looks to be made out of, uh, you can't really place the material, possibly something similar to bone, but it's it's definitely synthetic. Obsco, do you still have that that thing the halfling gave you? The Polaroid. Is that, is that what it's called? Or, or, or the, the picture? The, yes. the, the, the ionoid? The ionoid? The, the, the ionoid? They're I... definitely annoyed. <laughs> Absco uh, checks their pouch. Is the photo still there? Yeah, you still have the ionoid of you and Flynn. I, I pull it out. This? Do we have any... Does anyone have any any way of making a rubbing of what's on this adventure hook before we disappear from here? A rubbing? Well, what? I still have this weird piece of paper that they gave me back in wherever that desert was. I wrote Quick. on it a little bit. That's fine. Quick, Where's just try to get everything we can off of this hook so we can bring it back with us. All right. I'm glad I wrote that in. <laughs> Me too. Do this. As you're, as you're taking this rubbing and, and uh, you're giving your menstruations to, to Eve, a familiar silver-scaled kobold running up. Unlike the last time you saw the silver-scaled kobold, he seems to glow with sort of divine light and, and seems to be much more celestial than the last time you saw him. And was running up and kneels and looks at Eve. And then he looks up at Eos. What? What happened? She stopped 18. I did what I can to stabilize her, but I my magic is very different from hers. Micmac sighs and he goes, well, suppose at least it worked. We will be safe for now. What did she do? It was a, a spell that Eve had prepared. He knew 18 would never stop. And if it came to this, well... I think Eve needed to make everybody forget. Forget what 18... Everything. Are you not aware of the war that has engulfed the galaxy for the last hundred years? It's it's moved beyond the material realm. It's bled into the plains. Are you telling me you seriously don't know about this? Everybody knows about this. For us, this is the this is the long past. Or... Sent here by Eve. Never remembered. We call this period the gap because... Oh, we don't know. Mick Mick. Tilts his head at you and goes, 
Yes, must be special. And he smiles broadly, as though you have just answered a great question for him and relieved him of a lot of stress and worry. And he perks up and he goes, well, good. I'll see you later. And he claps his hands. And in the blink of an eye, you're standing in the terminal room with bright glowing Micmac. Well, did you have a good trip? It was certainly enlightening. Can I still see? Yes, you can <laughs> still see perfectly fine. All of your tech is working. I had the the, the thing that I was I was rubbing. Do you I have, have the rubbing? that still? Okay. <laughs> you have the rubbing. Good is questionable. Trip is questionable because I think we've been here the whole time mm. for certain values of here. How did you come with us? He goes, well, I mean, you know, with a loose definition of here, yes, you were probably here and uh, come with you. Well, it, it's not so much that I came with you as I came here and then you came back. But I came here after you came here and I came to a place and then you came back and now we're all here. And he smiles as though that makes perfect sense. Oh. Well, after all this time, how is Eve doing? Is Eve, oh, the goddess Eve, it took a lot of power for her to do what she did, but... She's regaining her strength. A few hundred more years and she should be back up to full strength. I don't know that we have a few hundred more years. Solomon wants the key now. Well, I would say if you're here, the chances are uh, that's what it is. So tell me, and with a great big smile, he draws his longsword and brandishes it. Why exactly do you want this key? And that <laughs> is all the time we have for today. Ah. <laughs> uh... You are the and worst so. <laughs> every time. You are the worst. Uh, uh, for experience points. <laughs> for experience points, I am your host and GM, Miu. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at MiuPlaysGames. I'm Kelric. You can find me at EQ Points and at Cormelon on Twitter. I'm Brit, and you can find me at Atomic Firebird on Twitter. I'm Kenny. You can find me at Punderdrone on Twitter. I'm Steph, and you can find me at Luna Starwind on Twitter. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Told you I'd be back. Thank you for listening to this episode of Experience Points Starfinder. If you like what we've created, then you might be excited to know that Experience Points is expanding into a network and adding two new podcasts. You can catch Kelric and Kenny on Cuminera every other Friday starting January 18th. That's this Friday. Kelric is stepping into the GM seat for this adventure utilizing Numenera, a system by Monty Cook Games. This homebrew campaign is set in a far-flung future built on the bones of previous civilizations. Our three explorers are following the commands of the Order of Truth to help people gather information and retrieve magical or scientific items. What could possibly go wrong? And coming to a Twitch stream near you on Monday, January 21st, that's this coming Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific is session zero of Pun Times. The inaugural game will be Slasher from Higher Grounds Games, with Kenny in the role of director. Kelric, Miu, Callie from Roll to Fail, and me, Steph, will be playing Survivors while Jess from Cuminera, D20 Dames, and Bitches and Liches will star as our killer. Until next time, adventure hookers. 
This is an unbearable experience. If someone was listening to this, they would say, this is pure silliness. I'm going to turn into a really big cow. Moo. It is Baramos of the fourth circle. Free me from this orb. Do you have Baramos in your bag? No. You can tell me if you've got Baramos in your bag. No, I've got rations. You've got Baramos in your bag! No, I don't. Nim, what have you done? Queer Dungeoneers, an actual play podcast about being who you are by being someone different. Get it now! I am great and nothing can hurt me.